also join our weekly webinars uh, Tuesday night. They're over Zoom. Uh, they cover different topics. Yeah, plug in. Join the fight. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I- you. <laughs> Thank you. I so appreciate you, comrade. As you know, thank you. Thanks, Stop LAPD Spying for the work that you're doing. Um, That work has been work that's been happening for a long time. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Will do. And happy birthday to my comrade Meraki. I know she didn't want me to say that, but uh, thank you. Take care. All right. See, you said it. So now I can say it too. Happy birthday, Meraki. I was trying to keep that in my mouth. Thank you. Thank you. We are out of time. Time flies when we're doing good things and having good conversation. I'd like to thank our guests, the Sojourner Truth team, including my dear sister, Margaret Prescott, for inviting me to speak today and to join as a guest host, our board operator for today, Gary Baca, and assistant producer, Alicia Vargas. If you'd like a copy of today's show, you can contact the Pacific Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradio.org. You can also go to SoundCloud. You can find So True Radio on Twitter and on Facebook. Plug in and stay energized. Sojourner Truth will be back on the air tomorrow. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! This is your guest host, Nana Jumpy. You're tuned into KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming on the web at kboo.fm. KBOO Community Radio is listener-sponsored. That's right. 80% of our funding comes from donations from listeners just like you. You can always make a donation to help keep KBOO independent and non-commercial at kboo.fm give. Right now, during our end-of-year drive, is the perfect time to contribute. Give now and help us reach our goal of $70,000 by December 31st. Make your tax-deductible year-end donation at kboo.fm give today. K-Boo. And next, on KBU, your community radio station, a radio zine, a conversation with Jill Fritz, a senior director in the Wildlife Protection Department at the Humane Society of the United States, and she works with a team that advances legislative and regulatory policy. They do amazing work at protecting wildlife, our fellow beings, the animals that inhabit our ecosystems. Interview conducted by Ender Black. Public Affairs Director at KBU. This morning, we have Jill Fritz, who works for the Humane Society. What about if you tell us a little bit about what you do? Uh, yes, I am the Senior Director for Wildlife Protection at the Humane Society of the United States. And uh, me and my team work uh, mainly on issues uh, surrounding protecting our nation's large carnivores. So wolves, mountain lions, bears, uh, grizzly bears, black bears, uh, bobcats, coyotes, foxes. uh, And we work to protect uh, these very important ecologically vital large carnivores from cruel practices like trophy hunting, wildlife killing contests, Uh, trapping and the fur trade. 
Tell us about the work that you've been doing recently, a very important work here in Oregon. And you, you were here, you're not in Oregon, you are, uh, uh, you live in- Minnesota. Minnesota, and that, that's- It's currently minus five degrees. <laughs> a little chilly. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in Oregon just last week, uh, uh, being an activist. Yeah, please tell us about what you've done here and, and the good news about the measures that have been passed and yeah. Yes, I was in Oregon because uh, on Friday, the Oregon Fish and Wildlife Commission voted to begin a, a rulemaking process to prohibit wildlife killing contests in Oregon or specifically coyote killing contests in Oregon. And let me tell you a little bit about what those are, because sometimes there's some confusion. But wildlife killing contests are organized events in which participants compete for cash and prizes, sometimes equipment, even weapons, for killing the most or the largest or even the smallest animals within a specified time period, usually one or two days. So uh, the contests themselves might be judged on how many animals are killed or by their weight or their combined weight, uh, or even characteristics like the biggest ears or the prettiest female. Sometimes when you see these contests advertised, you'll see uh, judging for the big dog or the little dog or big cat or little cat, meaning the biggest or smallest coyote or bobcat or uh, even mountain lions are targeted in some states. So killing contests usually begin with a registration on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. And then the participants, uh, they will pay uh, a registration fee to take part in it. And it can range from $50 to $100 or more uh, per person or per team to participate. Then after they register, they go out and begin the killing. And it usually happens over one or two days. And then at the um, during the contest, participants will often use uh, what are called electronic calling devices that mimic the sound of coyotes or their, even their young uh, or foxes or other animals in distress. Uh, so that will lure the shy animals in for an easy shot rather than uh, gunned down. Uh, and then you, at the end of the usually one or two day uh, period, participants gather at what they call the weigh-in or the check-in uh, where the animals or the, the bodies are counted or weighed uh, depending on the criteria and then the cash prizes are awarded. Um, after the contest is over, uh, the bodies are uh, of little or no use at all to the participants and they can just be dumped like trash. In uh, investigations that we have done in uh, states like New York State, uh, coyotes uh, killed in a contest were actually seen in a dumpster uh, next to the contest check-in. So uh, sometimes there might be raffles or door prizes uh, at the contest, including uh, weapons and equipment, uh, even AR-15 rifles have been given away in some states. Uh, and then in, in depending on state law, even sports-style betting will be allowed on the participants themselves in the contest. So as you can see, these are, are just really wasteful, unethical, uh, unsporting, 
events and that are also damaging to the reputation of responsible sportsmen and sportswomen in the state. So on uh, last Friday, a group of wildlife protection and humane organizations uh, had petitioned the Oregon Fish and Wildlife Commission to take up this rule and to, to take up this issue uh, and join the eight other U.S. states that have already banned this practice. And uh, fortunately, the commission uh, decided to do so, to begin that process of, of making a rule uh, to ban killing contests in Oregon. So that was very exciting. Uh, yeah, that is very good news. And it's just, uh, it's really amazing for a lot of people that consider themselves animal activists or just animal lovers to accept that these are situations that keep taking place in America. It's not just Oregon, it's all over the country. And uh, and a lot of people believe that these are things that only happen in other countries, you know, like China. China has a really bad rep when it comes to treatment of animals. But the, the fact is, is that yes, they do. They do terrible things over there, but we do too in many different ways. Where do you see where we're heading in this regard, this basically banning of these barbaric contests? I do believe that we will see an end to this practice of wildlife killing contests uh, in the not too distant future. Like I mentioned already, uh, eight U.S. states have banned wildlife killing contests uh, beginning with California in 2014. Uh, Vermont in 2018, and then in 2019, there was almost a flood of, of bans. New Mexico, uh, then Arizona, and then Massachusetts. Then in 2020, Colorado and Washington State, uh, Oregon's neighbor, uh, also uh, prohibited these killing contests. And then most recently, the state of Maryland uh, passed a bill through its legislature with a landslide vote in 2021 to prohibit killing contests there. Um, but the important thing to, to think about here, and, and we saw this just happen in Oregon, is that in most of those states that I mentioned, it was the state wildlife commissions themselves. You know, traditionally these commissions are are really focused on on hunting and and uh, and many of those states said, you know, not only are these killing contests cruel or unethical, they're also very damaging to our reputation as a state. You know, if we want to present our, our hunters as, as ethical sportsmen and sportswomen, uh, if we want to show that we care about conservation and, and protecting our wildlife from unnecessary killing, then this is something that we want to do uh, within our state wildlife commission. Um, and, that's, and that's what the Oregon Fish and Wildlife Commission did too. But that's that's a long way of answering your question, which was I, I do believe we're headed in the right direction that that states around the country, uh, other many other states are also considering this issue currently. So um, I, I think it's just going to continue to pick up steam and pick up momentum and more and more states will uh, get rid of this really shameful blood sport. Yeah, it is very shameful. And um, I typically think about uh, children, like the people that participate in these events, they have children. So that type of activity, and how do you explain that to children? Like, what what would be your advice? You know, if, if you were to talk to somebody about this issue uh, with kids that have experienced this, um, typically, we know that kids tend to not hate animals. That's typical. Kids typically just love animals and they, they feel this connection that is very, very beautiful. Like, what would be your advice to parents 
and, and how to turn this around in their kids' minds? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that the kids are really already there. Um, a, a few years ago, we did a, a ballot campaign in Michigan when I was the uh, HSUS Michigan State Director. Uh, it, it was a, a citizen ballot referendum campaign to stop a proposed wolf hunt uh, in the state, which was successful. But the amazing thing to see was the young people. And, and we, we toured the state and, and spoke with a lot of young people in elementary schools and, and uh they really get it. They really understand the importance of of these uh, of this uh, these wildlife species, particularly wolves, uh, and their importance at the top of the food chain and being you know nature's uh, true uh, wildlife managers, and also coyotes and other other wildlife species. They understand their role in a healthy ecosystem uh, and how they shouldn't be killed for no reason, like in a contest or for a trophy or things like that. So so in large part, the kids are really ahead of us on this in a lot of ways. Uh, I will add, though, that unfortunately, uh, you mentioned that, you know, uh, kids will hear about these contests. In uh, many instances, kids actually are uh, encouraged to participate in these contests. In fact, there uh, was a contest in Utah a couple of years ago uh, that awarded prizes to kids as young as five years old. So uh, in the investigations that we have done in states like uh, Virginia uh, and New York and uh, other states around the country, uh, there were actually categories um, for children to participate in the contest themselves or children present at the check-ins or weigh-ins that I mentioned where the piles of bodies are being brought in uh, the kids are even encouraged to help drag the bodies up to the scale or or otherwise be present for this uh, this very gruesome uh, scene um, and and unfortunately have to witness this very disrespectful uh, treatment of of their wildlife. Yeah, I have seen pictures and uh, videos of this because that's part of the process of becoming an animal activist is that you get to, research uh, and find out about horrible things that take place <laughs> that uh, the way that uh, many people and many groups even agencies how they treat animals uh, I know there are some agencies uh, and you probably know maybe the fish and wildlife agency uh, that basically shoot horses from the sky wild horses just because it's is the law so my question is to you it, it kind of like an opinion why do you think there are still people in this country who believe this is something worth doing. Even after years of knowledge and proof in the last few years in the form of videos that animals are like us, sentient, meaning they can feel, they can love, they can experience emotions like we do. We see mom animals behave in ways that are just incredible. And I think people in the past 50 years ago, they, they didn't have this proof in videos, but now we have tons. Why do you think there are still people that hold on to these very outdated modes of thinking? Well, I, I I would hesitate to try to delve into why someone feels a certain way or why people do what they do, but I can tell you that there are fewer and fewer of people that do believe that. Uh, there have been recent landmark studies like uh, one by Colorado State University called the America's Wildlife Values Project. Uh, that found that the attitudes of the public toward wildlife are really changing. 
and more and more people take this this kind of large big picture view of wildlife as as part of their interconnected network uh and fewer look upon wildlife as 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 what they sometimes call a harvest or, or i'm sorry a a resource uh just to be used for human purposes so why people believe or do those things, I couldn't really tell you, but I can tell you that fewer and fewer of those people uh, believe that wildlife should be trophy hunted or that wildlife should be killed in these killing contests or trapped, <clears throat> excuse me, or trapped or killed on fur farms for their fur. Uh, fewer and fewer Americans believe that that is right. And, and more and more of them are speaking up against it. Yeah, I've seen that pattern too. And that does make me feel happy because I do see the pattern to uh, basically letting go of all these, what I call outdated modes of thinking. And it also in understanding the value of our fellow fellow beings, of the wildlife in our ecosystems. It's not just because they're a part of our ecosystem, but they are a, a very crucial part of our ecosystems. And uh, so I do feel that, you know, young people, like you said before, probably are on a really good spot right now to take action in that sense. So my next question, many of us in the animal activist community believe animals are equal to us. Uh, that's why many of us uh, have decided to not consume meat anymore because uh, we don't want to participate in the uh, factory farming and the whole, the whole industry. And we feel that is highly unethical and this is all we can do just to start with. So what would you suggest to people who feel like this about animals, about what to do and how to get involved in this type of activism? Right. Well, I definitely uh, first encourage them to get to know more about the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, our mission is to protect all animals. And uh, we work not just in the U.S., but all around the world with our partners at Humane Society International. Uh, but uh, get to know the issues more and then uh, contact our organization or other organizations in your state. In Oregon, there are many wonderful organizations to protect wildlife, to protect uh, cats and dogs, to protect pets, to protect horses. Uh, whatever it is your passion is, get to know uh, a state uh, or local or national group that can help you to get involved in changing the laws and changing the regulations in your state uh, that govern how animals are treated, how wildlife is treated. So, um, you know, in this Oregon Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting on Friday, uh, Oregon citizens, you know, spoke up. They went and spoke to their policymakers and said, hey, we think this, this uh, regulation or these laws should change. Uh, can you help us do that? Uh, or there will be uh, laws, new laws or bills coming up in the Oregon legislative session uh, in 2023. So uh, get to know Oregon groups where they will help you uh, speak to your state legislators and ask them to change the laws to better protect wildlife and, and all animals in your state. So get involved with a good group and uh, start uh, learning how to change the laws and changing regulations to protect animals. Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody that's listening in and, and they really just want to get involved like, right now because they feel this is such a huge issue, uh, what would be a direct, specific point of action 
because uh, you said, yeah, there are tons of nonprofits, tons of wonderful people working in the state to protect animals. Can you give us a specific point of action that we can pass on to anybody listening? I would first, uh, you could start with us because we're a national organization, but we have uh, state directors in almost every state in the U.S. So um, if you go to humanesociety.org slash state directors, uh, you can find out where our staff are in every state. So for example, in Oregon, our state director is the wonderful Kelly Peterson. And then you can contact Kelly and say, hey, what can I do to help animals in the state? And uh, she can fill you in on what bill she's going to be pursuing in the Oregon legislature in 2023, uh, or um, how she can get involved with direct uh, animal care, you know, rescuing animals like you may have heard about the case with the with all the beagles uh, that we were involved with uh, recently, all the 4,000 beagles rescued uh, from a research uh, breeding facility. Uh, you can also alternately uh, just find your local animal shelter. Um, if you go to petfinder.org or other sites like that, you can find out if there's an animal shelter in your community where you can start volunteering to help um, if, with the animals in the shelter. So, or you can foster animals um, from rescue groups. So uh, lots of ways for you to get started, but um, if you really, if you really wanna know what's going on at, at the state level as far as what laws are being uh, changed to help animals, I definitely recommend going to humanesociety.org first and, and finding out more what's going on right in your own state. Yeah, yeah. So there are many ways that people can get involved and take action now mm -hmm. from just fostering animals that need a home to reaching out to the humanesociety.org website and connecting to Kelly right here in Oregon yeah. uh, and other nonprofits, tons of nonprofits in the state. And I, one of my questions was actually about the beagles, because mm -hmm. this is something that not a lot of people either know or want to deal with, because it's such a sad story, because we know beagles are used for scientific experiments precisely because of their nature. They're docile, they are adorable, they just want to connect, and it's a really sad situation. But they were rescued, and that was a major success. Can you tell us about that journey? Oh boy, you know, I, uh, that was a, a different section. I, I'm in the wildlife department. And so there is so much more that the folks in our uh, animal research issues and our animal rescue team uh, sections could tell you about it. But uh, basically uh, the beagles were removed from a breeding facility uh, in the Southeastern US and um, immediately began to work with an amazing network of animal shelters and rescues all across the country uh, to start getting these beagles into a safe place and uh, taken care of so that they could be adopted out into loving homes. And so that's, that's a very short version of what happened, but uh, the beagles are all now uh, being taken care of, and you've probably seen some some pretty interesting high-profile uh, uh, people that have adopted the dogs, and and uh, everyday citizens all across the country who have, have stepped up to to help these wonderful little dogs. Yeah, I was very happy to hear about those news, and 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 I knew that it was a different department, but I wanted to hear your thoughts about it. And it is it is excellent news, and I want anybody right now listening, if you don't know about that beagle project, basically, the Humane Society led to rescue thousands of beagles that were 
basically kept in cages, completely disconnected from regular human connection, basically, uh, then please go and find that out. I just want to ask you, because I know that you love animals. You must, if you do what you do. Because it's a lot of work, and not only work, but it's it's hard work. It's uh, That's when the emotions come in. It's not just a clerical job. It's you put in a lot of your emotional power into it, and it must be hard. Would you please tell us when your journey of animal protection started and what really inspired you? I'm sure you were much younger when that kicked in, and just tell us that. Yes, much younger. I don't even want to say how many decades ago, but uh, basically I I happened to read a pamphlet about the fur trade and how animals are killed uh, in traps and on fur farms to uh, for their fur. Uh, in particular, uh, electrocution is used to kill animals on fur farms. And it was at that point, it, it was really a textbook epiphany for me. Uh, like, how did I not know this before? But uh, now that I do know it, you know, there's no going back. So I began to read uh, a couple of really seminal books uh, that talked about other ways in which animals are treated um, on factory farms, uh, in research laboratories, in the fur industry. And uh, just uh, began to you know, think about how my role was in all of this and, and how I wanted to make changes in my life um, and and also to get involved in activism to to try to change that, how, try to change how animals are treated in our society. Yeah, just reading a lot and, uh, and, and making some decisions about how I wanted to change my life. Yeah, and I'm guessing you have a dog or a cat of your own? Four cats. Four cats. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very happy and lucky to have you. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of spoiled, I have to admit. <laughs> well, I typically don't even think animals or our animal family can can even be spoiled because we just shower them with all the love and attention that they give us. So I don't know, that's just my thinking. But any thoughts that I can come up with that, that you would have for our audience here at KBU and everywhere else? Uh, boy, I can't, I, and probably your audience members have already done this, but I would just recommend, you know, trying to, to seek out some more, uh, information about, uh, animals and how they're treated and, uh, and then learn how to get involved. Um, I, I can't stress enough. Um, and, and that's really what we focus on, uh, is changing policy. You know, working with state policymakers and, and local policymakers at the at the city, the county, and the state level to improve laws and regulations um, to protect animals from cruelty. So get involved, and and we're on the right path. Although things might not be as perfect as we would like, we are on the right path. I just want to make sure anybody listening that feels like, oh my goodness, how can these contests keep happening? Why why is this happening? Well, there are tons of people like you, tons of people that are working hard every day and they're not particularly famous or well-known, but you are heroes. And I just want to tell you uh, on behalf of the cable community that your work is highly valued. We just love what you do because it's so crucial for us to move forward and just let go of this toxic relationship that we seem to be having with the animal kingdom. 
throughout the world. It's not just us. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And, uh, and thank you so much for your work here in Oregon and over there in Minnesota. And, and I know that you're not going to give up. And we need, we need people like you working at the state level, at, at that level, which is a, a lot more complicated, <laughs> and, and, and do what you need to do to protect our, our fellow beings. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is Joseph Galvan. I'm your host for Art Focus. KBOO Community Radio is only possible with your support. So join the party and contribute at kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to this number 44321. That's kboo.fm slash give or you can just text KBOO to the number 44321. Two one. Thanks a lot. Andy KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of nineteen thirty-four and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Development and Events Committee meets on the fourth Monday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if a meeting is being held.
again, I hope you listen to Community Radio, KBOO 90.7. You're listening to KBOO Portland. The following program is a rebroadcast. For all of KBOO's archived audio, please visit our website at kboo.fm. 